Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah everybody and welcome home. For the past few years we've always started our programs with this statement and we mean it because community is a place that we all should call home. A place that gives us peace, a place that gives us tranquility and a place that we know is going to be there. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes faith in the Quran, He mentions stability as being a requirement for faith to grow. Asluha thabit wa far'uha sama That its roots are firm and its branches grow to the sky. If we don't have stability, if we don't have permanence, if we don't know that something is going to be there for us, then our faith won't be able to grow. This is why when the Prophet ﷺ came to Medina and made the migration, the hijrah with his companions, at that moment, when they arrived at their new permanent home, he said the beautiful phrase, Afshus salam, spread peace. Why? Because peace can be attained now that we have a place that we can call home. For the past five years, Roots has been able to be a part of so many people's lives, alhamdulillah, by the grace of Allah. And we're so honored to have that be a part of our legacy. But we've been doing it in temporary spaces. We've been doing it in hotel banquet halls, in masjid side rooms, in people's living rooms at home, and in temporary lease spaces where when we were signing the lease, we knew that this was not going to be there forever. But that can change. By the favor of Allah, with our foundational organization, Qalam, we've been able to find this beautiful property here in Carrollton, Texas that will be the permanent location and facility for the Roots Community Space. A place where everybody can feel that tranquility and have that growth of faith that Allah Ta'ala tells us about. We need your help to close on this property. We need you to generously donate and contribute whatever you can, adding your name to this list of people that will help build and construct a permanent home for us to build the model community following the example of the Prophet Muhammad in Medina. Help us make this dream a reality. Visit rootsdfw.org home. The signs of the different uh, uh, experiences and what are some of the metaphors? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, مَثَلُهُمْ كَمَثَلِ الَّذِي اسْتَوْقَدَ النَّارَ فَلَمَّا أَضَاءَتْ مَا حَوْلَهُ ذَهَبَ اللَّهُ بِنُورِهِمْ وَتَرَكَهُمْ فِي ظُلُمَاتٍ لَا يُبْسِرُونَ so the first example, Allah Ta'ala is going to give us like three different scenes. I want you to imagine you're watching a movie and Allah Ta'ala is describing the hypocrites in three different scenes. The first scene is He says, I want you to imagine that there are a group of people that are gathered around like a campfire, but it's not started yet. They're trying their best to start the campfire, okay? They are, you know, they got the wood, they have the rocks, they have whatever, okay? In this day and age, they have lighter fluid and a match. That's all we need. But you know, back then, starting a fire required a lot of work. Or if you're one of those people, those outdoor camper people, right? Even today, it requires a lot of work, okay? So Allah Ta'ala says, imagine a group of people who are sitting in the darkness and they want light. They want the, what's the, uh, uh, the benefit of fire besides warmth is light because you need to be able to see. So they start to work on starting a fire and then what happens? The fire starts. And as soon as the fire starts, the light starts to grow. But then Allah Ta'ala says, The moment that the light grows and starts to light up everything around them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes away their light. The light is gone. Okay? And they are left there in darkness, unable to see. They are people who will be unable to here, they will be unable to speak, and they'll be unable to see, and they will never come back. It's a very interesting example. It's kind of scary. And I remember when I was reading this, I was having trouble understanding, like, what does this mean? Like, Allah Ta'ala is giving an example. Examples are used to try to help us understand things better. 
And I was like, how does this relate to a hypocrite? And I was sitting with my sheikh and we were reading tafsir and we were doing this verse. And he said something amazing, okay? He said, describe to me how you wake up in the morning. How do you guys wake up? Hmm? Jump out of bed. Jump out of bed, okay? Maybe you jump out of bed. How do the, how do the rest of us who are not as productive wake up? <laughs> you wake up and you kind of lay around, right? My, my friend snooze. How many alarms do you snooze, guys? Seven, subhanAllah. I love how it's a sunnah number. It's witted, right? Okay, it's odd. Seven, just like the wasp. Okay, so snooze the alarms. You might check your phone. How many of you, the first thing you do when you wake up, do you guys, anyone here have blackout curtains for your room? You guys know what that is? Those really thick curtains that block out like, it could be, it could be like 10 a.m. and it feels like it's midnight. Okay. So if you have, how many of you wake up and in the darkness of like the morning, you jump up and the first thing you do is you turn on your lights to full brightness. Anybody? Why would you not do that? Oh, you have one person. You get scared. Okay, that, there we go. That might be a reason. Why would you not do that? Yeah, so your eyes will hurt. They need to adjust. Have you guys ever been woken up abruptly? You guys ever been one minute left for Sohoro and your mom comes in or your dad or like your friend is like, wake up, right? They just start stuffing apples in your mouth or something. This is like my teenage years. Okay, just a lot of apples when I was sleeping. So look. When someone pops on the lights very quickly, very abruptly, what happens to your eyes? What's the first thing you do? You're like, what are you doing? Turn the lights off, right? In fact, they make these new devices now, these clocks that have uh, like an illumination effect and they'll start to light slowly, like 5%, 10%, 20%. And with the, like you set a time for 100% and it'll slowly start growing from there. Have you guys seen these? And they work very well. You know why they work well? Because that gradual adjustment to light is what we need to adjust from darkness. We need a gradual adjustment. So my sheikh was explaining this verse and he said, imagine that you're sitting in a completely dark room, okay? Pitch black, but he was Arab, so I want you to imagine how he said that, it's a bad word, okay? Pitch black. <laughs> and he said, we're just like, one more time? Uh, pitch black, okay? And imagine that all of a sudden, someone pops on the lights, like bright light, right? Like those lights in Pakistan, you know, the cold ones like these, they're very cold. <laughs> Super bright lights, okay? Your eyes are gonna burn. Like you're literally gonna feel pain, even though no one's touching you. You're, you're gonna shut your eyes, you're gonna cover them, and you're gonna take a moment, maybe 15, 20, 30 seconds, before you can start to slowly squint and then open your eyes, and then eventually, like after all that is said and done, your eyes finally adjust. But there's no doubt whatsoever that it was an uncomfortable experience. Why was it uncomfortable? Because you were in, you were in darkness for so long. So, my sheikh said, Imagine now the heart of a person. And the person is sitting in darkness for so long. They haven't prayed for as long as they can remember. They haven't done anything good, right? Like just kind of, you know, living their life, doing, their, doing what they can, right? Living their best life away from Dean though. And then there comes a time when either they or somebody introduces them to this light of Hidayah, of guidance. And in that moment, even though that person is doing all the right things, what does the light cause that person? What does it cause for the person who just woke up? Pain, discomfort. What does the light cause for the person who has been away from, the, from Iman for a very long time? Pain. It actually causes pain. It's, it's a spiritual irritation, right? 
Like I get irritated, right? Anyone here ever been reminded to pray and you got upset? Yes or no? Be honest. Yeah, thank you. you got, someone said, hey, did you pray yet? You're like, oh, God. And you're like, should I just, yeah, yeah, I prayed. But like the time just came in, you're like, stop, right? We had, there, was a, there, was a, there was a basketball, we grew up playing these basketball tournaments in Chicago, and there was a team. So obviously basketball tournament starts at like 9 a.m. and goes all the way to like Maghrib. So as you get closer to Maghrib, like you have like the quarterfinals, semifinals, and you have the championship game. So there was like a, a um, there was obviously a break between I think the quarterfinals and the semifinals for Asr, okay, for Asr prayer, and you know everyone there's there to play basketball, you know people pray the heart on their own. They try to pray, they try to pray Asr and Jama, and everyone's kind of hyped up. They want to play that championship game. So when they announce Asr, there's kind of like, you know, there's like hey, we have to stop everything. I know we're having a ton of fun. We're gonna pray Asr. There was always that one team that they they, uh, they were like we already prayed. <laughs> So I had like 40 dudes sitting in the gym, like, where'd he pray? So we actually changed their team name to WAPA. We already prayed Asr. <laughs> because every tournament we played in, they were like, we already prayed Asr. We're good. All right, don't worry about it. So there's that moment. Now, have you ever asked yourself, like, when someone asks you, hey, do you want to pray? Or, hey, let's pray. The irritation or the, the, the discomfort that a person feels. Have you ever asked yourself, like, what that's a sign of? Like, is that good? It's not a good sign. It's not a good sign. If someone asks me to like donate, right? They're gonna have a fundraiser. It's like people announce that they're gonna have a fundraiser. Everyone's like, oh God, can't they just figure out how to pay the water bill without anybody helping? Can't they just figure out how to do this? Fundraisers are like a synonym for like torture. And, and, and we use that almost as like a deterrent. Like, hey, do you wanna go? No, they're fundraising tonight. Okay, let's go somewhere else. When fundraising, right? Charity, sadaqa, the byproduct of fundraising is giving charity is like one of the quickest ways that a person can conquer their nuts. So instead of, you know, there's somebody who's asking for money, whether it's like in a macro or a micro, you might have like a person who's asking you for help, right? And they're saying, can I borrow some money? And you're like, I don't know. There was once a brother that I knew online, he was asking for some money, not his character at all, but he needed some help, right? Maybe I don't know what happened, he lost his job, couldn't pay rent. He was asking for money and we were trying to gather some money and some of the people that we asked for to, to you know, you know, uh, Venmo or whatever, they were like, how, how, are we sure that he needs it? Are we sure that this and this and this? All of that are like these symptoms of irritation. So you have a, a good opportunity in front of you and it causes irritation. How many of you guys want to fast tomorrow? Who wants to fast? Anybody? MashaAllah, we have like three people, okay? No one else raised their hand, why? What did you start thinking about right away? Coffee. <laughs> Oh, you thought about not Monday, mashallah. We have some mail here, okay? You thought about coffee. Be honest. How many of you thought about coffee? First thing, you're like, okay, wait, hold on. I have, how do I get coffee tonight, right? What time is Fedra even? Like, how do I plan myself? Again, it's that, that, that the lack of enthusiasm, okay, is a sign. Even if a person cannot do it, but they would love to be able to do it, Okay. Why is it a sign in the same way? Because whether or not we admit it, why is fasting so difficult? Because we spend so much time away from it. And we do it for 30 days and then we spend 335 days not doing it. Maybe if we're lucky, we get Ashura, we get Dhul-Hijjah, we get these days, but like barely, okay? So the idea of fasting outside of Ramadan is like a very irritable idea, okay? And this is one of the signs of the hypocrites is that when good things are brought to them, that's number one then it is so overwhelming. The light of that hidayah is so overwhelming that Allah is saying that, 
he takes away the light. Even though they've lit the fire, they've done the work, but the light no longer will affect will be good effect for them. Why? Because they spent their whole life in darkness. Now that it's illuminated, their eyes can't see. Their spiritual sight cannot adjust. Just like your eyes hurt, their heart hurts. That's number one. Number two, and this is even more scary. As Allah Ta'ala says that it, when it is brought to them, here's the second interpretation that my sheikh told me, the tafsir of this, was that when a person tries to come back to Allah, because what are they doing? They are the ones who are trying to build the fire. So there is a point in time when a person will be doing the same actions on the outside, the hypocrite will be doing the same actions on the outside as the believer. The same actions. I pray, they pray. Like we don't know which one's a believer or a hypocrite. Hopefully nobody. Hopefully nobody's a hypocrite. We're all believers. But there will be people who in their heart is a void of iman, but they're standing there praying. Or they're doing the good deeds. But the effect of the good deed on that person is not the same as the one who it is on the hypocrite. For the good person, the deed does what? The Prophet ﷺ said, He said that if your good deeds make you happy and your bad deeds make you sad, then you're a believer. Okay? So what is the opposite of that? If good deeds make you unhappy and bad deeds make you happy, then there's something wrong. So I could be standing there praying taraweeh next to somebody and I am, the person next to me is like plugged in, tapped in. They're like, this is amazing. Ramadan is incredible. I needed this, right? Finally, time away from all that noise, all the distraction. And in my heart, what I'm thinking is, when's the next cool? Right? When are, when are we going to be done with this? Right? I'm so hungry. I'm so tired. Do I even have wudu? Right? Those thoughts that are circulating in my heart and my mind are evidence of something. How is it possible that there are people that can stand in prayer and they can shed tears like faucets? Like, I mean, just absolutely connected. And by the way, not all of them know the Arabic language. So we're not going to even go and say that's the only reason. They're like, the fact that I get to stand in the presence of Allah is enough to move me emotionally. After I've been distracted for how long, the fact that I get to stand here before Allah is enough to move me. But then for me to stand in Tarawih and to think that it's some sort of burden, like a checklist thing that I just have to get rid of. I have to do this today, otherwise I will feel deficient in my Tarawih. That's an indication of something problematic. That's a problem, okay? So Allah Ta'ala says that there are two kinds of scenarios. Either when somebody brings you the light or when you actually are trying to kindle the light yourself, but then at, at, when the flame is lit and the light is supposed to be there, then Allah Ta'ala says that unfortunately as a result of this person's negligence, Allah Ta'ala will take away the light. They will be unable to hear. Right? The recitation of Qur'an will not affect them the same way. Right? I want you to think of something. Okay? How many of you guys, you have the ability to speak to your mother? Anybody? Your mother is still here. You can speak to her. Okay, or your father. Anybody? Okay. And, and I'm not recording this. And if your mom is here, you don't have to raise your hand. How many of you guys, when your mom calls or texts, you look at your phone and your first thought is like, I'm too busy. I'll call. Don't raise your hand if you don't want to. Versus how many of us, when mom or dad calls, our first thought is like, those are my gates to paradise. Right? <laughs> there they are. Like, you know what I mean? 
how many of us when 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 the good thing ha- like again we're all hearing the same noise does that make sense we're all hearing the ding we hear it and for some people who understand like their heart is plugged in they see mom on the top and they're like jenna's under her feet right this is it let me let me let me rush and then for some of us sometimes it's like god again how many times does she want me to talk to her how many times you know, just rewind, man, to when you were two or three, you wouldn't let her sit for two seconds, right? You told her that you ate purple and she had to figure out whether that meant paint or crayons or like ho-hos or something, like some sort of Debbie, you know, like little Debbie snack, like she didn't know what that meant. And, and you're like, I loved it, purple's so yummy. And she's like, yeah, I guess so, right? Like we'll find out in four hours, you know what I mean? Okay, so, but then when mom calls now, it's like, what a burden, right? What does that mean? It's the same noise. It's the same notification. But the heart is different. The heart is different. So Allah Ta'ala says, for the one whose faith is nothing but an act, it's a charade. For that person, that person's deaf. Not actually hard of hearing, but their heart is unable to hear anything that is good and interpret it the same way. Bukmun. They can't even speak, right? They can't even speak. Uh, anyone here uh, struggle with like, you know, this is some, maybe like a self-indicting question, but you guys ever had like the, the, the realization that you don't say salam alaikum very much anymore or alhamdulillah or inshallah, right? Maybe it's because of like the social, the corporate work life or like the group of friends that we're around or whatever. But even the things that we know that we should say, the only thing that we say is mashallah because we're scared. Right? Like someone's like, someone's like, hey, you're like, mashallah, 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 mashallah. And even then you hide it. And they're like, what are you saying? You're like, nothing. Right? You're like, it's just like a, you know, I'm doing my, my CBT self-talk therapy. Mashallah, mashallah. But in reality, subhanAllah, we, I mean, like all the other azkar, all the other statements of dhikr have like left. Right? Like we say mashallah and inshallah only when we really want something. And that's it. Alhamdulillah has like been eliminated from the vocabulary. Right, taking time. It just takes one second to thank Allah for something by saying Alhamdulillah. Say it, say Alhamdulillah. It takes one second, literally one second. But it's been eliminated, right? Why? Because we're too efficient of a generation to spend one second thanking Allah for the day that He gave us or for the year that He gave us or whatever it might be. Okay? So here, the next sense that Allah Ta'ala says is destroyed because the heart controls all the senses. The next sense that is destroyed is their inability to speak. Right, their inability to speak. I remember, I'll never forget, I met a young man who was a Hafiz, and for a long time he strayed away from his religion, and he said that he was one time, the thing that woke him up was one time he was walking, and just out of the blue he said, you know what, let me recite some Qur'an. And this is like in the midst of his, you know, straying away. And he started trying to recite Qur'an, Surah Al-Fatiha, and he couldn't do it without making mistakes. And he like broke down, and he was like, whoa. Because again, when you memorize the Qur'an, and a lot of times you think like, I memorized the surah, that's it. I never have to review it again, like it's, it's good. Especially Surah Al-Fatiha, right? Because that's the one that every prayer requires. But then he said like, it shook me because I was doing my thing, living my life for two, three years, not praying, not doing this. And then out of nowhere, I just said, let me recite Surah Al-Fatiha, and I couldn't do it without saying mistakes. He said, I started crying and said like, what happened to me, right? And he, you realize like, you don't even control this. Like you can try, but you don't control this. 
Allah Ta'ala gives us the ability to speak and not speak. And those words of thanking Allah, of praising Allah, of asking Allah, those moments of dua are given to us. They are gifts from Allah. It's not a guarantee. Just because you want something doesn't mean you're going to ask for it, right? How many of you have forgotten to make dua for something you wanted? Until like the very end. You were like doing everything, everything in, in, in possible. And then you're like, oh my goodness, I forgot about dua. And then you go and make dua and all of a sudden the door opens. You're like, okay, I'm an idiot, right? That's what it was waiting for the whole time. It's not necessarily a given. And then the last thing he says, Umyun, the person will be blind. They will not be able to see spiritually the same things that everyone else sees. Okay? And they won't be able to return. So the heart being submerged in darkness, it removes its ability to see, as Allah Ta'ala says, and it becomes ultra sensitive to light. The heart that is living away from Allah, it removes its ability to recognize Allah in anything. And it becomes ultra sensitive that whenever anything regarding Islam is brought in front of it, the heart doesn't feel comfortable, doesn't take it well, because it has not been well adjusted to that light, okay? By the way, there's another verse in the Qur'an, uh, I believe, I forget uh, what it's in, but uh, the, the, when, the, when the people of Hellfire are being asked, this is, I want you to listen to this, this is crazy. When the people of Hellfire are being asked, you know, did you not receive a prophet? Did that prophet not come to you? Why didn't you answer? Why didn't you listen? You know what they say? وَقَالُوا لَوْ كُنَّا نَسْمَعُ أَوْ نَعْقِلُوا مَا كُنَّا فِي أَصْحَابِ السَّعِيرِ They attribute their hellfire to two things, but they're related. Number one, if we only listened. وَقَالُوا لَوْ كُنَّا نَسْمَعُ If we only listened. أَوْ نَعْقِلُوا Or even just thought. مَا كُنَّا فِي أَصْحَابِ السَّعِيرِ Then we would not be from the people of hellfire. The scholars, they say, what's the relationship between hearing and thinking? What do you guys think? Why did Allah mention that? Why didn't He say, uh, you know, to see? We're gonna pray, inshallah, in eleven minutes, inshallah. Yes. What's the hearing and thinking? What's that? Sorry. Hearing helps you think. Okay. Have you guys ever had to turn down something to find your street that you're turning on? You guys know what I'm talking about? Okay, so you're looking for something and you're like, hold on, turn it down, right? Yeah, so your ability to think, right? Your cognition's affected by what you're hearing. Very good, yeah? If you hear something, you don't really benefit from it unless you think about it and apply it to yourself. Very good, right? Simply listening to something, like even being here is good, but it's not necessarily the same as like thinking about what we're talking about, right? Thinking about the Quran and trying to apply it. Very good, what else? Yeah, I think we all have our own like inner voice that literally actually talks to us and speaks okay. to us. So I think um, in that sense there is some connection between the two. Absolutely. We actually hear something. Our own internal monologue shapes us. We have our own inner voice that talks to us. Anybody? You, you guys listen to yourself all day? You talk? Okay. But uh, Dr. Abdullah, even adding on to that, the 2-1 level of that, what shapes that inner voice? It's our part of our own experiences or our own inner thoughts are nuts. Okay. Would you guys would you guys agree with the statement that what we hear can affect what we think? Yes or no? Yes. Can it? Okay. I remember 
I was doing, I was teaching a high school English class because that's what that's what I did before I became like an imam. And I remember I was teaching a class and I had them, uh, I was trying to teach them about the power of language and how things can be communicated and ideas can be communicated in very beautiful ways. But the idea itself is like, is like terrible. Okay. So we did a Jason Derulo song. We broke it down and uh, we did like a, a poetic analysis of a Jason Derulo song just from the content of it. And I remember one of the songs, I forget exactly what, uh, what the lyric was, but the idea he was communicating was he said that, uh, basically he cheated on this girl and he's telling her like, I will buy you anything, yeah. right? And again, like we're listening to that and we're like, wow, bars, that's amazing, wow. <laughs> but then you apply that in real life and you're like, wait a minute, this guy thinks that, hold on, he thinks that he can be unfaithful in a relationship and go through with an action like cheating and devastate someone's, not only their heart, imagine if you had kids, imagine family, this and that, like the ripple effect of devastation. And then he thinks that the solution is to buy me something, right? And again, you're listening to these lyrics and you don't think twice about it, but then you're like, wait a minute. And then you start to see slowly these trends start to develop in society where people are like, yeah, he cheated on me, but like, you know, as long as he takes me out, it's okay. Like, we'll figure it out. Or like, yeah, she this or that, as long as it's necessary. Making exceptions. And you wonder, like, where did all this come from? Now, I'm not blaming Jason Derulo for infidelity, okay? I think it started way before him. But the idea that we can just smooth this over with, like, a quick piece of jewelry, right? A quick run to Zales. <laughs> you know, let's, my apology is in, a, in, the, in the shape of a diamond. And then we're good. It's a problem. But what we don't realize, even more problematic, is that the things that we listen to can deeply affect and deeply impact the thoughts that we have. So these people said... If we only heard and thought. So think about, not just music, by the way. Think about the podcast you listen to. Think about the voices you listen to. A lot of people like to listen for the sake of what? They say, oh, I want to be like, well, you know, verse. I want to be like diverse in my understanding, this and that. We have to just be honest with ourselves. Some stuff is not worth listening to. You know what I mean? Like some garbage you can compost with, that's fine. Some garbage is like not even composting garbage. You're like, that's just trash. Like, just get that out of here, right? Okay, you can recycle some waste that you have, but some of it you can't recycle. You're like, that's just garbage. I'm not going to name anybody because I don't want to offend people. But you have to really think deeply about the stuff that you listen to, the ideas that you listen to. These things are not all equal in terms of their consumption. They all land in the heart in a different way. Your heart is like fertile soil. The beauty of the Quran is like fragrant flowers and fruits. And that trash that we listen to is like weeds. Not only does it affect the soil itself, but it destroys all the fruit that's been growing. So I think like, oh, I'm just going to listen to this, it's fine. No, like some of that stuff deeply hurts the soul and deeply destroys the person's worldview of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we have to be very careful. Same thing with what we're watching. What you watch, people, oh, it's, just, it's just fiction. It's just TV. Like, it's not normal to look on a screen and see people being beaten to a pulp, even in a movie. Right? It's not normal for these things to be seen. You know the Prophet ﷺ strictly forbade striking of the face? Do you guys know that? You guys know it's haram to strike the face? This is a, this is a qata'i hadith. It is definitive. There's no speculation about its authenticity or its meaning. It is haram to strike the face. But brothers watch UFC like there's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> I just got a lot of like, you know, like, I'm just saying, right? I'm not here trying to say like, no, because it's easy to pick on other stuff, right? 
But there's like, I would have a showing, okay? And then we got people just blasting each other's faces. I mean, look at the poor guy's face after the match. Even the winner looks like you can't know who is it. Is that the same dude, right? His face is all puffed up and swollen. Do we think it's normal? Do we think it's normal to watch two dudes just pulverize each other? Half naked, sweaty, two dudes? What, what are we doing? And we think it's okay. Like, well, yeah, this is fine. No, man, no. We think that this is normal and the things, the thoughts that we have, ajib, right? Ajib, very, very strange. And then the words that we say as a result of it are very strange. I remember there was once a picture of a celebrity without his shirt on and I saw a Muslim girl comment, yum, <laughs> right? What is that? First of all, first of all, I know we're laughing. Let, let me just clarify something. We're laughing because otherwise we should be crying. Because honestly, imagine the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi seeing that. Like, that's not nice. You know, and, and, you, and, and you say that, okay, listen, first of all, it's problematic, even just from a lot of things. But then the other thing is like, if you feel that way internally, it's one thing, but like to comment it and then to type it and then to look at it and not delete it and then leave that screen and be like, that's who I am. Like Channing Tatum knows that I feel yum about him. Like that's not okay. It's not okay, right? But all of this starts, all of this starts where? It starts with consumption. When you consume something enough, eventually you feel like interacting with it is okay. There's no harm, there's no harm, there's no problem. It's just a comment, it's just the internet, bro. There's no big deal, okay? Then we'll do the next one and then we'll pray inshallah. This is an amazing example, subhanAllah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, another example. Okay, so he did the first one. First scene, over. The fire, it lights, people can't see because their hearts are in darkness. Okay, the next one. That there is a torrential downpour of rain. I was freaking out because I was reading the tafsir of this earlier and it was thunderstorming on the way here. Our torrential downpour of rain. And in that torrential downpour, there are just like layers and layers of darkness. Okay, so you have, you know at nighttime when the sky is clear, it's dark, but it's not fully dark. And then when it's overcast, it's like darker. And then when it's raining, it's like the darkest, right? So when it's like overcast and nighttime and it's raining and it's, it's just like pitch black, you can't even see, right? Allah Ta'ala then says, as a result of the thunderstorm, there are two things. Ra'd, which is what? Right, thunder and lightning. Barq. Okay, thunder and lightning. Which one is the result of which? Thunder or lightning? Which one is the first? Which one comes first? Which one? Okay. Which one comes first? Lightning or thunder? Lightning. Lightning then... The, the response or the effect of lightning causes what phenomenon? Thunder, very good, okay? Lightning and thunder. Just remember, sight, light moves faster than sound, okay? Lightning and thunder. Lightning causes thunder, okay? What should you do if there's lightning, y'all, and you're outside? Not go under a tree. Should not hold up foil, should not hold up metal, okay? You should take what? Shelter, okay? Because what are you protecting yourself from? The lightning or the thunder? Is the thunder dangerous? No. Is the lightning dangerous? Yes. What happens if you don't understand that? Allah Ta'ala says, Amazing. You guys understand? He says, these people, hearts being away from Allah is so dangerous 
that it can effectively even change your ability to understand the most common common sense things. And they're standing in a lightning and thunderstorm while it's raining, and in order to protect themselves, what do they do? <laughs> that they put their fingers in their ears. <laughs> Out of their the fear of the death of that experience. Is putting your fingers in your ears gonna protect you from lightning? What does it protect you from? The sound, the thunder. So they have a fundamental misunderstanding of what the danger is. Half of you are sitting here like, wait, what? Listen to this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, if your heart is sick, you will not even know what is a real threat to you or not. You'll be like, I know me. I can make my good decisions. I know what's right or wrong. Allah Ta'ala is saying, yeah, you do make decisions based off what you think is right and wrong, but if you don't listen to the Sharia, you're gonna make these decisions and you're gonna have your ears plugged with your fingers while there's lightning overhead saying, I'm safe. And that's why the Sharia tells us to do things and sometimes we say, what? I don't get it. How is that gonna protect me from this? Until much later, you're like, oh, right? Like the person who's standing outside with their fingers in their ears, and then someone's like, run, go inside. They're like, why, I'm fine. You're like, no, you're not. Go inside. They go inside and right as they're walking, a lightning bolt comes and strikes and destroys the tree that they were sitting under. And they're like, oh, I wasn't okay. My fingers and my ears would not have protected me from exploding, right? I would have been gone. Then Allah Ta'ala says, Just as we are deathly afraid of that thunder and lightning because it's so random and it's so all-encompassing and it's so scary and it feels like it's all around us, Allah Ta'ala says, do you think that thunder and lightning is more encompassing of you than Allah? Like you, you think that the lightning and thunder move quicker and faster and they're more powerful than Allah? Allah Ta'ala is way more encompassing, infinitely more encompassing of everything than even the thunder and lightning are, right? What's the lesson here? And we'll finish here inshallah. The lesson here is that if we try to live without the guidance of Qur'an, without the guidance of the life of the Prophet Muhammad we will, in the first example, what are they doing? They're starting a fire, but the light that they get doesn't help them, it hurts them, okay? The next one, they are trying to protect themselves, but because they don't know right from wrong, they don't know real from fake, they don't know the actual from false, their efforts to protect themselves are what? Useless. They don't actually work, right? So Allah Ta'ala is saying that the disease of the heart effectively will cause you to waste your energy, to waste your time, because you're, you're doing something and you're like, why isn't this working? And Allah Ta'ala says, because you're not listening. If you applied your energy in the way that Allah Ta'ala is telling you to, it would work. What do they say? Work smarter, not harder, okay? Allah Ta'ala is saying that here in the Quran. With your faith, work smart. Don't work, don't, don't overwork yourself and think, oh, why isn't this working? If you just listen from the beginning. I told you guys a story before about my friend who got dumped. I'm proud of you for not laughing, mashallah, by the way. There's a couple of you, don't laugh, right? My friend who got dumped. I remember he was dating this girl for so long. I said, don't do it, don't do it, just get married, right? When I said don't do it, all you thought of that TikTok audio, right? Right? Okay. I said, don't do it. He's like, I love her so much. I was like, I know you do. I'm not denying that. And then he's like, we're going to get married. I said, inshallah. Right? And then she broke up with him. 
and he was just devastated and he was crying and he's like ruining all my shirts because he's crying to me and I'm just holding him and he looks up at me he's like now I know why dating's hot on <laughs> and I was like man you said it not me right because the whole time I'm trying to tell you like hey just be careful hey do this the right way hey, make, hey you know there's a way Allah gives us a way if you love her and you want to take care of her and you want to be with her Allah gives us a way for that right just requires Quick little conversation, a couple witnesses and her dad, right? <laughs> I can do this, you know? And he's like, no, 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 like, but I love her, but I want to be there. I said, okay, but I'm not going to force anything, but like, I'm just telling you, it may not work out. And if it doesn't work out, you know, you're going to be like listening to John Mayer for three years, you know, like, you're going to be really sad. And John Mayer and Drake, just back and forth. And I said, you just, just, if it doesn't work out, just let me know. And it didn't work out. And he's crying, he looks at me and he says, I totally get it. I totally get it. Like he's working so hard that entire relationship to try to make it work. And he has to hide it from everybody and his parents and he has to feel the guilt of all of it, right? So he's doing the work, but he's plugging his fingers in his ears. And then Allah Ta'ala says, if you did this the right way, you would not only would your work bring you good harvest, it would benefit you, but you'd be protected from the danger that you're putting yourself in. Right? And so then when that lightning strike of that text message comes, I don't think I want to be with you anymore. It shatters him. Right? And how many people really can recover fully from that heartbreak? It's very difficult. Right? Allah Ta'ala prohibits things because he doesn't want to see us in pain. Allah Ta'ala doesn't, he doesn't say don't date because he wants to see us hurt. Like, haha, you can't date. Allah Ta'ala says make good choices, right? In your life so that you don't have to put yourself in pain like that. Right? Allah Ta'ala says, follow this way so that you can live your best life, literally. Right? Close to me, with faith, with iman, with taqwa. This is the best version of yourself. Right? And this is where Allah Ta'ala gives us these examples. We have one more, but it's time for Maghrib, inshaAllah. So we're going to conclude. We ask Allah Ta'ala to protect us from these sicknesses of the heart. We ask Allah Ta'ala to allow us to be people that light never blinds us, but it guides us. We ask Allah Ta'ala to never make our hearts so so darkened and so dead and so desensitized that hidayah and guidance feels blinding to us but rather oh Allah we ask you to make our hearts in such a way that whenever we come across anything that's guiding that's from your book or the example of your messenger oh Allah make us people that can follow it make us people that love it make us people that even if we can't follow it we love it and we aspire to follow it one day oh Allah we ask you oh Allah to allow us to protect ourselves from all the dangers physical and spiritual dangers not in a way that makes no sense, O oh Allah, but in a way that makes complete sense. O oh Allah, allow us to follow your, the example that you gave to us through your Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that we protect ourselves and protect our hearts in a way that is most beneficial to us. Ameen, ameen, ya Rabbil Alameen.